0: You're listening to The Rural Roundup for the latest news in Scottish agriculture. I'm Kerry Hammond for the Farm Advisory Service. We caught up with Tiffany this week to find out what's been happening in the rural sector.
1: Today we have a brief update on the Rural Payments and Services mapping system and a reminder about the Women in Agriculture Training Fund. The Rural Payments and Services online mapping system has a fresh look and increased functionality. The system is now called Map Viewer and LPIS Graphical Editor. The main benefit of this to farmers, crofters, and land managers is that it can reduce the time taken to make field or mapping changes, as well as getting access to PDF maps and shapefiles much quicker. The motto of the system is Save Time, Map Online. The new system can be split into two sections one, Map Viewer. View your map field details and download copies of maps. 2. LPIS graphical editor, an online land maintenance form to complete various functions that previously needed to be actioned via a paper form. If you're yet to take a look at or use the Map Viewer or LPIS graphical editor, the most useful functions to start with will be On the Map Viewer, downloading a PDF copy of your map, accompanied by a list of field counters and corresponding field identifiers. The search function to find the land parcel identifiers for seasonal or vented fields that do not sit under your location code and the ability to see the BPS ineligible areas highlighted on a map. On the LPIS graphical editor, simple changes like splitting or merging a field can be completed much more easily and quickly. For field mergers, you simply click on the field you would like to merge without needing to write out both field identifiers on the paper form. Preparing an EFA map to upload with your single application form can also be completed using the LPIS graphical editor. Turnaround of field changes is much quicker. The target turnaround for most changes is five working days, but for simple changes that do not require accompanying paperwork, the turnaround can be almost immediate. A full list of the functionality that exists within the system can be found within the LPIS guidance documents on the Rural Payments and Services website, or see the show notes for an article with some top tips and tricks from the Farm Advisory Service. The Scottish Government has a £100,000 per year funding package for three years for the Women in Agriculture Training Fund to support the personal development of women, providing them with additional skills to progress their careers and employment opportunities in Scottish agriculture beyond their current role. Courses eligible for funding can include business skills, environmental and sustainability, health and safety plants and animals, vehicles, machinery and equipment. 100% funding is available for training up to the value of £500 per course. Courses with higher training fees will be considered on a case-per-case basis. This training fund is for women and girls resident and working in Scotland who are keen to join the industry or are on a full or part-time agriculture course. See the link in the show notes below for more information. Thank you for listening. See you again in a fortnight. We popped into Turriff and down
0: to air to catch up with George Chalmers and Robert Ramsey to find out their thoughts on the start of the harvest.
2: Well, the combines are rolling. It's always an exciting time of year at the start of the harvest, isn't
3: it? Yeah, no, it's all go here as well. Um, down here, it all kind of clashes with silage and everything, it all kind of, Merges into one. So when the sun's out in the west, eh, everything's rolling, not just the combines, but certainly it's a eh, countryside buzzing at the moment.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a time of the year when even the coolest, calmest farmer just seems to completely become completely different. And whenever the sun's shining, it has to be out in the combine.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, it has to be on the go. Yeah, yeah. It's important for a lot of things. Um, I, think, I think a lot, it's, it's a, a big sigh of relief as well. You're harvesting that crop. Um, it 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 just brings the brings the year to conclusion. And particularly this year, when it's it's a
3: it's fairly unique year, and the cost structure of the whole the whole industry is all over the shop. And the, the the risk that these guys have taken this year is bigger than they've ever ever taken before. And thankfully, forecast looks pretty reasonable. Crops look fairly good so far. The you know yields we're getting down here are pretty good. We're just into winter barley, but uh, crops are good are pretty happy, or happy or relieved. Relieved, I'm not sure what one's the right word.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the last few years, thankfully, have been quite decent harvests, and and with the price of diesel, we don't want a bad harvest this year. I I can remember back to 1985 and 1987, and and certainly up the year, they they were absolutely horrendous harvests. We don't have too many of them, but the combines are so much bigger nowadays. Do you find that causes a problem? For you guys who are looking more for straw?
3: Yeah, so... I'm just going to pick up on uh, 85. I was born in 1988 and I feel like I remember 1985 really well with the impact it had on people and the, you know, it's ingrained in our memories. Years that were worse than that were probably 2012 and 2017 down here. But because we've got a bigger kit, we can get so much more done in a day. So we got through it. The size of machines certainly is a problem. Particularly if you've got a catchy harvest, the last few years we've had a really good run. It's, it's been no bother, but the the weight of these machines now is pretty colossal, and and for West Coast soils, you know, you know, heavier farms, it can be a bit of a challenge, ground conditions wise. And certainly as you see a big swath of straw. If you you guys, there's still a lot of smaller headers, big combines, but smaller headers down here, mostly, you know, partly because of ground conditions, and and also partly because of Swath of straw, um, you know, if you've got thirty foot of straw into one swath, it takes a bit of drying when it gets two or three days rain.
2: Yeah, I was I was speaking to a client this week, and uh, he's trying to trade his combine. He he ended up with a twenty four foot cutting bar. He would desperately like to go to a a newer twenty foot cutting bar, and he's very hard to find because uh, most of the combines coming out now are great big 25, 30 feet and above um, so that that for the livestock guys or people who need straw it, it is a slight problem going forward
3: and we actually have a, a lot of guys in the last few years probably post 2017 there's a move back to owning your own combine and that combines certainly I know probably what was what we were talking about in the 80s and then in the early 90s you know a smaller you know just a cheap combine but to have control over your own harvest because waiting for the contractor coming Many folks still do that, and it's you know it's a, a fine way of working. But in those catchy harvests, it's a real risk with the money all tied up, and it's probably a risk. That
2: you yeah, you think back to that bad harvest in the, in the 80s, and you know, a lot of 12 feet, 13 feet was your cotton bar. Um, 15 feet was probably the biggest, and uh, anybody going for 20 feet, that was, there was no need for that. That was that was that was just. You know, being bigsy. but now it's it's completely different. It's it's all about getting across the area as, as quick as possible. It's uh, and and the money as well. You know, you're half a million for a combine. It's it's colossal. So
3: it's, it's wild. You know, it really is. It's a a fixed cost disaster. But but then what do you do? We've got a we've got a country to feed. We've got a world to feed, and you know that largely is driven by combines and and large bits of kit like that Um, what about straw George you're in the straw part of the world we're in the part of the world that consumes the straw are people looking like baling straw this year is it is it likely we're going to see more chopped straw
2: I don't think so although the price of P&K has gone through the roof you know fertilizer was it has been expensive now for a year but the P&K has caught up with the nitrogen in fact probably more so when you do the sums Actually, you're and you're getting a decent price for your straw. You're actually still better baling the straw and then applying the fertilizer the following year again. But not everybody thinks like that, and they, they, and they look at the straw it gives a wee bit of organic matter back as well. Probably better if you're thinking about doing that. You're actually better baling it and then doing a mock for straw deal. I think that would that would be probably more sensible. You're getting back your P and K that way.
3: We're actually having a lot, you know, a good number of queries here that are. You know, people who used to grow barley, who don't grow barley, who are mm-hmm. thinking about going back to growing barley, just to have a bit more control and, and almost spread the risk in their own, you know, a, a specialist beef enterprise, specialist dairy. You know, it maybe spreads the risk yeah. a wee bit if you can, yeah. can grow some more of your own. So it's interesting to see the thing change. And there's no doubt going forward, you know, wh- where we'll be in 10 years' time won't be like it is just now and it won't be like it was 10 years ago. It's going to be different.
2: No, no, um, and you and you look across in Ireland, and and they've even got uh, payments for incorporating straw, and uh, that's not something you could do over in this country. I don't think. I mean, last year, going into last harvest, pretty much all the straw up in this corner was was clawed up. Um, it was going down to power stations down in England. There is a demand for straw. There's no doubt about that in this country.
3: Yeah, the, the sad thing with the straw for you know, straw into power stations thing is it's really. Just ticks a green box. It doesn't actually change anything. It doesn't, you know. It's a renewable. What you know, what a great opportunity to burn P and K, lose it to the system. <laughs> you know, how how much are we saving the planet doing that?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, how much diesel are you using getting it down into the middle of England as well? So George,
3: we are well through. Sp- a winter barley down here and we pretty much go from that into spring barley winter wheat there's not a lot of rape or anything but what, what, what stage are you guys at
2: in tariff most of the winter barleys they would be cut although it's surprising the spread some people a week 10 days ago that was being you know they were cutting there's still some people saying it, it's just it's just getting there um oil seed rapes they would all be swathed or, or desiccated by now, so they'll be starting probably the new week. Um, spring barley's would still be a few weeks away, um, although the wheats are starting to die off now as well. So uh, another month or so, th- you know, spring barley and wheats will be going as well. But we're already starting to see folk ploughing, and thoughts are going into next year, and next month we'll see, well, see drape being sown.
3: We've had an, an interesting one, here is there's a lot of whole crop grown for dairy cows and actually we've got a lot of fill, full pits, a lot of good stuff first and second cut silage has been really pretty good for most and it's probably a thing we're all need to take a look at and think what are the economics of whole crop in this versus it's quite an advanced you know crops are pretty well forward should we take these forward just and combine them, we don't normally do that but is this the year to combine it, even sell the grain bale with straw, you know there's there's options there this year, based on the economics of the whole job.
2: Yeah, everything is earlier up here this year. Probably a week, ten days earlier. I mean, normally uh, we're going around telling people to spray off their oilseed rape uh, or swath it at at Turf show round about that time. They're thinking about lifting it, so that's a, that's a ten days earlier than normal. And um, next year's coming in. You know, that's what people are now starting to think about. Once you put, well, once you start plowing up and you put put winter crops in, you're committing to big costs, huge fertilizer costs coming down down the track, and uh, it's a year away before you're combining that. It's a, that's a massive commitment for people to make. Hopefully, the grain prices do keep up. Well, certainly start climbing again, um, because it, it's going to need that to, to support it
3: i'm feeling like a wee bit of a fraud on this podcast today as an out and out livestock person so uh, i think it would be wrong not to highlight the crop cast series that we've got of a really good technical arable podcast and certainly at the moment in and around harvest and looking forward to next year it's well worth tuning into that just to you know to, to get more detailed information
2: absolutely some great tips for for getting crop up getting next year's crops underway
0: We're always busy at the Farm Advisory Service, bringing you timely information, useful resources and hosting events and groups to help you build your farming network. You're listening to this episode of the Rural Roundup on the Farm Advisory Service's podcast channel. Another episode in this feed is CropCast, a monthly show that features a range of industry experts providing timely information and advice on crops and soils. Also in the feed, you can find episodes of Stock Talk, a monthly panel show that delivers the latest news and advice to help you make the most of your livestock. The Farm Advisory Service has additional shows available for you that have their own channel wherever you get your podcasts. We have Thrill of the Hill, a show that explores the multitudes of issues and opportunities experienced by those living and working in an upland environment. This show, hosted by Alec Pity, aims to showcase good practice, build resilience and reconcile priorities for sustainable rural communities. You can find a link to Thrill of the Hill in the show notes, or you can just search for Thrill of the Hill wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a show called Crofting Matters. It's our dedicated crofting podcast that covers a wide range of topics and provides great advice and tips for crofters. Hosted by Siobhan MacDonald, we have two episodes of this show out now. One is on bull management, and we've got another on grazing management. We'll be releasing new episodes every month, and we'll explore topics such as breeding and selling stock, peat management, and croft assignations. Our third independent show is called Agri-Culture. Farming is a way of life, and it's as much about the people as it is about the land, crops, and livestock. In this agriculture podcast series, Mary Jane Laurie speaks to a range of inspirational people from the farming community. Join us in conversation over six episodes to find out about what drives our guests, where they get their inspiration and what they love about agriculture. Our premiere episode with Pete Eccles is available now. Give it a listen and subscribe to the channel to make sure you don't miss our next episode with Chris Dyer from Garth's Croft later this month. You can find links to all of these shows in the show notes. This week, I met Brady Stevens, a food and enterprise consultant at SAC Consulting. Brady, what's on your desk?
4: On my desk, the type, the type of work that I try to do is long-term landscape level planning. I'm interested in, in the big question, what do our landscapes need to look like uh, for us to feed the 10 billion? have opportunities to connect with nature and give coming generations a chance to enjoy some of the things that should come with being citizens of the earth. Yeah. So those are, those are some of the big questions. And and I try to work on projects that allow me to tackle some corner of those big questions in terms of what's actually on my desk and what those projects look like at the moment. I'm contributing to a net zero plan for a Scottish agricultural sector. Something that's on my desk at the moment is I'm contributing to a net zero plan for a Scottish agricultural sector, looking into how their practices may need to change uh, and what they will need to invest in to end their contribution to climate change. I decided to work in the rural sector uh, because I see that Land and the rural sector. I see it as obviously the most important place uh, to work on these big questions about climate and nature. Uh, it's really where the rubber meets the road uh, with these global problems. For example, in my in my course and and in my education, focusing on the the UN Sustainable Development Goals in terms of taking practical action in terms of actually what we need to do to the first steps to addressing so many of those are happening nowhere but in the rural sector. So that's really why I was inspired to get involved. And I feel lucky to be able to show up to work and in some small way, take some small step. I like to say that I did grow up in the rural sector. My uh, my uncle runs a 2,000 cow dairy farm in Attica, New York, upstate New York near Buffalo, and I was growing up uh, across the street. I would spend a lot of time out there as much as I could. We had you know, a small flock of sheep uh, and chickens and learned a lot of just practical life lessons from, from the time I spent out there. We were lucky to have a lot of arable fields around also in that part of the world, uh, deep glacial soils uh, and after the combines would come through, I liked to go and glean what was what was left, and that was beetroot, or potatoes, or carrots, and peas, and sweet corn, and lots of we grow lots of amazing stuff. And um, yeah, it was great to great to grow up out there. There was no opportunity at any earlier time for me to study the applied ag science that that I found at SRUC, and I was really inspired by SRUC's model of being connected to farmers themselves through SAC. And that really captured my my interest and my imagination. And that's why I came, that's what brought me to Edinburgh originally. And to have the opportunity to work at, at SAC, I think that Scotland in particular is is miles ahead on these issues and thinking about land use because of the constraints on land use here. It's a real pressure cooker for solutions uh, to these problems that are being faced back home, but in in a much less urgent way, maybe. Uh, So that's what brought me to Scotland. And and I think that Scotland will continue to uh, lead by example, and that there will be more lessons that will come out of this corner of the world. So I studied biology, and earth science in my undergraduate back home in the States. I've always been scientist. I like to start from the data, start growing up on the farm and, and being in the natural world. Plants and animals have always been my favorite thing. So I went with that before I really knew what I wanted to do. Uh, and that gave me a really good grounding. And I got more interested in climate and earth science uh, and how that would uh, solve our solve the big problems then but i yeah it was all very a little bit theoretical i didn't want to do pure research and i didn't know how it could connect to solving our our the big global problems until finding this environmental protection and management program at SRUC uh, which is what i did 2 years ago now and yeah that was i really enjoyed my course at at SRUC studied during Covid times, uh, so we didn't get to go on our big field trip, but we still had a really great time and learned a lot. And it's really, I've really just been following my nose. It was one, it was one thing after another that led me to land use and some of the governance and policy issues that I've that I've become involved with since then. I get most fired up about this job, and and I am most passionate about thinking about how. What the land does for us, and it's it's been put in terms of often in, in the job, it's put in terms of natural capital and uh, stocks and flows of resources. And recently, I've heard more about other ways to value it. That there's more beyond natural capital is is awfully uh, that monetizing it maybe isn't isn't the whole answer. We care about the world in a deeper way than this transactional thing that natural capital sort of sets up for us. That's an idea that I've been, that I've been passionate about recently outside of work. I like to spend as much time as I can getting out and seeing Scotland, whether that's I'm an avid cyclist. Uh, I've got a bike that's rigged up with, with bags so that I can pack a tent and a lunch and go and sleep out. Uh, love the, the, Some of the opportunities here for camping, for wild camping, I do a lot of rowing on Scotland's waterways and yeah, spending time out in nature. And I think about it in terms, I try to go to new places each time and thinking about getting in touch with what each corner of of Scotland looks like and kind of coloring in my map of Scotland is, uh, is fun for me. And I think it's also an important That it will give back to my job because we working at the national level uh, as a specialist at SAC. It's useful to know what these different areas are actually all about. So in my work that I've done, I feel like I've covered the south of Scotland pretty well, uh, and I have a lot more insight into what is happening down there than some parts I haven't been to yet. Land use is a hot topic in policy, academic, all circles in Scotland these days. Uh, I'd love to hear from anybody who has an opinion or a vision for what their land can do, what our land can do for us and how they see that working into the future.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rural Roundup. If you like the show, please follow or subscribe and make sure that you get notified every time we release a new episode. Please feel free to leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you need to contact us, you can find all of our details in the show notes. See you back here in a fortnight.